whenever we watch games, we're always super impressed by uh, the composure that refs have. Can you confirm whether or not they are superhuman or are you just a normal everyday guy? We're just cold blooded. (laughs) (laughs) We do our best to be as perfect and as prepared as we know the players pour their heart into preparation. Trust me, we prepare the same, if not more, to be the uh, positive or neutral part of that uh, beautiful puzzle, which is our game. Welcome to Footy Fellas, coming at you from Chicago and Minnesota. We're going to be talking soccer, talking life, playing games, playing mind games. You know we got a little something for you. If you haven't yet, throw us a follow on Instagram at Footy Fellas Pod, Twitter at Footy Fellas Pod, YouTube a subscribe at Footy Fellas Pod. Back to back, awesome interview discussions. Are you for real? It's probably what you're what you're thinking, because this week we chatted with Ismail Elfath, professional soccer referee in the MLS and for FIFA competitions, including officiating the U-20 World Cup Final, CONCACAF Gold Cup, and Club World Cup. He was also the first ref to officiate a game with VAR, V-A-R, back in 2016. So, you know, we we grilled him a bit on his experience and his thoughts with VAR. Super down-to-earth guy, good at what he does as a ref, and a lot of knowledge to share about the art of refereeing and the human side of refereeing, which was really interesting. So you're going to want to stick around for that chat. What was it like? What was it like for you each speaking to a referee for, for real in person or over, over the phone, I guess? It was the, <clears throat> for myself, it was the first time I've ever, um, you know, been having a normal conversation, not shrieking at him um, and largely in disagreement. Um, I think, I think we could see eye to eye and um, that's what I relished from the opportunity. Um, you know, there were there weren't jerseys. We weren't we weren't on the field. There was nothing in between us. It was just just a couple just a couple of humans having a human heart to heart. Couldn't agree more myself. It was genuine. He's a nice guy. You know, really makes you see referees in a new light. Good people, and they arguably care about the game just as much as the players. Uh, well worth the listen for all you fofs. It was. Uh, I highly recommend having a. A, a, can, a conversation with the with fellow referees. Just, just take a second. Take a second in that game you're playing when you get frustrated and just just chat with them. You know, walk a walk six miles in their shoes because that's right. They're doing the most running on the pitch. Have Have either of you actually refereed? I don't think so, but just double checking. I personally have. I refed little kids, I think eight, nine, ten year olds, uh, at park at our local park board league. So very, very inconsequential. The kids is at the age where they all surround the ball and just kick it in a circle. It's a great time. It's the best. Very, very few fouls. Was it so? Was it easier than you than you thought it would be refing that that game? Absolutely. I thought I thought the parents would yell at me. I thought the the kids would give me some lip, but uh, I gave a couple of red cards and everything settled down. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of it takes a lot of self confidence to 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 do a good job to be a good ref. I feel like in in my in my humble experience, I have not formally refed a proper 
game um, ever. It's only ever been at summer camps or um, any type of soccer identification camps, things like that. And even in those moments, um, you know, when you make a decision, you need to stand by that decision. Uh, whether, whether again, the, the game is quote unquote meaningless or, or actually, you know, does count, you know, players who are playing are competitive. And if you f- seem uncertain, no one's going to believe your decision and they will push back on anything you say. So, you know, it, it takes a lot of character to, uh, to, to really be a, not only an adequate ref, but um, a competent one. And that, that same vein, Jones, which league do you think would be the toughest to referee any league around the world? Ooh, I mean, okay. So knee jerk again, I, I haven't thoroughly thought this out, but my knee jerk is Italy um, largely because of the running, you know, gimmick that, uh, that Italian players tend to um, uh, embellish, you know, um, dives and act a little bit more. Um, and I, I can see, I can see that being a little difficult. Um, but but that's only one aspect. I know there's tons of other aspects we could be weighing in here. I don't know if you guys have any other leagues you think might be even more difficult to, to ref in. Yeah, I do. Uh, I don't know the league per se by name, but uh, low-level, lower-tier South American leagues scare me a lot because referees, I think, literally die uh, making bad calls. So that would scare me. Just go, go back for a sec, Jones. Were you suggesting that players in soccer – flop that they dive in your own words you think that happens um i don't think i know it happens um and it happens all over the world because uh, because soccer soccer is you know on a stage right it's it's on the biggest stage and and when you're on stage what do you do gentlemen what do you do when you're on a podcast that's a mini stage you perform all right you dance they tell you to dance you dance they tell you to dip you dip and they tell you to dive you dive and so what happens in soccer? People dive. I'm surprised they don't make it mandatory that all players wear uh, floaties, if not uh, nose plugs, because the amount of diving that takes place um, in this game is is preposterous. And it's why, if anything, that's why we needed a ref on this podcast to set it straight, to let us know, you know, why why people may get fired up in games, and and how we manage that so they don't act out even more, and 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 dive a little bit flip-flop hit some fouls do some bad things i think i think refs should carry around just like players in baseball they they joke and make poke fun at the ref by giving them their glasses you know fake giving them their glasses like you sure you saw that one i think soccer refs should carry around goggles swim goggles or flip flippy floppies uh you know swim trunks and when a player dives really bad just hand it to them and then point at the camera and then it zooms in on them and kind of freezes to, you know, ba-da-da-da-da, it's the one and only. Anyways. <laughs> I yeah, That's excellent. I think we should start our own referee training company and really train the refs to earn the trust and respect from their players. And this, you know, mocking the players, that's how you do it. That's how That's how we were taught. We should pass down to refs and, and make the wonderful game even better. Could you imagine refs just <laughs> clowning us whenever we do something <laughs> like, 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 you know, you take a shot. Like I've genu- I feel like I always feel great when a ref like genuinely comes by and like, Hey, you know, great shot, dude. Like, you know, that was, that was great. But like, if you sky one and, and they're just like, dude, that was 
that was horrible. What <laughs> was that, bro? Why are you on the pitch right now, man? Yeah, the the, the ref the ref looks at your coach and just like does the substitution sign. <laughs> <and he's> like, <laughs> I think you need to take this guy. Because off. they're the ref, you have to like they have to sub you off. <laughs> Blows the whistle, pauses the game, sir. Coach, get this kid out. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> let's let's rethink this one. Yeah, some some kid's about to come in and the ref looks at him and he's like, uh, no, you don't want to put this guy in. I, like, actually, this is funny. Know. I actually did have a, a somewhat funny experience with a ref when uh, sophomore year of high school, our soccer team in like the middle of February went to Las Vegas for a tournament. It was a blast. Always like, you know, traveling for sports tournaments is always a, a blast when you're so young. And we did terribly in this tournament we always blame it on the the heat it was too hot middle of february in minnesota is just so different whatever regardless one game we were playing and our central defender had just these massive cramps in his leg and you know collapsed on the on the ground and midway through the game (laughs) and the ref comes over and i'm i'm pretty close to to the defender and and the ref goes man too much partying last night or what (laughs) and i'm like Dude, we're like 14. I don't know how <laughs> yes, we're on the Las Vegas strip and yes, we walked it, but no, we're not working partying for this tournament. Like it was just a wild, typical Las Vegas uh, referee comment. But I guess that's the only time I've something like that, something kind of funny or a little witty or sassy from the ref has, has been said around me. It's almost like he meant to say that to the fellow ref who would have laughed with him. But accidentally said it to the fourteen-year-old soccer players. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a pretty weird moment, but funny in hindsight. I, I do feel like there's there's been a moment, and I cannot remember at all, which is why this story is already just a great one. <laughs> I don't remember what was specifically said, but um, I feel like there was like the second you said that icy, where the ref like had been like, "Oh, are you you know going out or whatever." I definitely recall like once or twice a ref saying that. Maybe it was like at some point early in high school, maybe even middle school or something where I was just like, like, what? Like, how would I go out? Like, how, why would, what does that even like really mean? Like, it's like a Tuesday, like what, like, you know, like a midweek game or I remember there just being this weird feeling where like, maybe they were like super dry humor and I just couldn't pick it out. I couldn't understand what they were saying, but like, there definitely been there's like that just felt very familiar that very familiar feeling hearing a ref say something like that mm-hmm. genuinely almost as if the ref was like leaning over to be like yo like where do i get the best alcohol in town and i was like <laughs> i don't know i can't drive so you know i can't even tell you how to how to drink dang maybe it just seems like referees have this little inside joke about kids partying well it's it's definitely different refing at a professional level refing professional players and that's what you're going to hear a little bit more about in our chat with Ismail. And without further ado, going to get into that. And we'll see, see you on the other side. Enjoy. We are excited to welcome professional soccer referee Ismail Elfath to the podcast today. Ismail is an MLS referee who made his debut in 2012 and became a FIFA accredited official in 2016. In 2019, he officiated the World Cup U-20 Final, the CONCACAF Gold Cup, and the Club World Cup, helping to earn him the Austin Soccer Foundation's Lifetime Achievement Award from the Austin Chronicle in his hometown. In addition, he has officiated some of the best players in the world, including David Beckham, Cristiano Ronaldo, Luis Suarez, 
Thierry Henry, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and more. Most recently, he repped the MLS's back final between Portland and Orlando. And fun fact, he was the first ref to officiate a game with the new VAR system. Welcome to the pod, Ishmael. Thanks, Max. Thanks, guys, for having me. Appreciate the, the invite. Of course. I think one of our one of our first questions, whenever we watch games, we're always super impressed by uh, the composure that refs have. Um, are Can you confirm whether or not they are superhuman, or are you just a normal, everyday guy? We're just cold-blooded. <laughs> um, no, we're, we're definitely human. Um, uh, refereeing is, is somewhat of, a, of an act because um, referees come from all walks of life and w- when you meet them outside the field, you'll see them probably in a different uh, demeanor that you see them on the field. So so the, the game and the match and the event overall demands a, a certain persona um, and, and, um, and referees... With their experience and training, they get to master that persona to manage the event properly. Um, it's, it's not a science, it's more of an art, and we're not perfect at it, but our goal is to help the fans and the players entertain and try to not even be uh, a noticeable factor if we can afford it. And how did you come upon that persona? What led you to becoming a referee and and being interested in that being one of your, your jobs, obviously you do some of the other, uh, you know, community outreach and digital transformation and a lot of other stuff. It's not just refereeing, but for the refereeing piece, where did that inspiration come from? Uh, from the love of the game, really. It's, uh, um, I, I love the sport. I love the game. I grew up in, in Morocco where, where, where every street you turn, there, there's some kids playing, playing, uh, playing soccer. And then I try transitions into the night when the streets are more empty and there's no cars the, the grown-ups play soccer as well and um it's, it comes from the love of the game uh primarily um as to how i started it was really a, co- a coincidence um as as i always go and complain about referees when i used to play amateur soccer on sundays uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the field marshal told me you always complain you should go take a class and in a moment of heated moment i told him sure fine sign me up and that that, that was the beginning of the story. As the first referee to, to use VAR back in 2016, do you feel as if you've opened Pandora's box a little bit and unleashed sort of this chaos into the soccer world? Do you feel responsible, Ishmael? <laughs> I, I, I love it. <laughs> Pandora's box, chaos, and responsibility. Who, who's the idiot that would say yes? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I was I was a small piece in a in a big major uh, puzzle, really, a, across the globe that was happening around 2015, 2016, as as and I'll use this term, football. What does football expect in the world? Football expected fo- um, referees to not have catastrophic mistakes like we've seen in some of the World Cups and and some of the the finals where 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 it's clear as day. That that the goal that the ball crossed the line, or that there was a, a clear uh, error, right? That everyone can see it except the poor referee because he doesn't have a camera. Football pushed the the the, the game that direction, and FIFA and IFAB and MLS and the few handful of countries that started that that project, exploratory project back in sixteen, were really just responding to the push that came from all over the the stakeholders. Uh, be it players, coaches, pundits, administrators, etc., fans as well. Um, 
So do I feel uh, responsible? I think I feel lucky and blessed to have been part of it. Uh, none of us expected it to be perfect. None of us expected it to be, um, you know, spot on from the beginning, just like refereeing has been from, from its inception. There's always been disagreement. Uh, so so I, I actually feel lucky and blessed to, to have been part of it. And I think if you step back and look at it, is VAR going to be perfect? No. But do we do we have scandal scandals like we had in, in some of the World Cups? I think the answer generally will be will be no because we we, we can avoid taking away goals and taking away um, big decisions that are that are wrong and but can be corrected by camera. But uh, but uh, it's a uh, it's it's always going to be a, a little bit of a controversial based on which side of the of of, of the losing or, or winning side that you are. Is the and again, you know, totally giving you leeway here to, to say, you know, you plead the fifth. Um, but from your perspective, would you say the quote unquote issues that are happening with VAR around the world, um, is it down to VAR, the technology, or is it down to those who are using it? And perhaps we need to adapt or change the ways that we are interpreting the technology that we have. Um, it, it's it's twofold it's it's user it's users and users interpretation and it's also education from the the fans and the and the and the wider viewership side um i can speak um in details about uh, fifa events that i've been to and about major league soccer because that's where i know what happens behind the scenes and what are the directions and what are the philosophy and what's the interpretation and generally, if you if you speak to stakeholders in MLS, you, you're going to get a big thumbs up of satisfaction. Yes, there's going to be a few mistakes here and there, but generally, stakeholders from players, coaches, owners, uh, they're happy. Uh, I, I wish everyone in the world can say that, but as we all know, that's not the case. There are places where it's, it's a big controversy because the interpretation and the implementation is not um, is not what what people expected. And and um, and people will react rightfully so. My experience in MLS that has not been the case, um, and in the few FIFA events that I've been to, and you guys have all watched 2018 World Cup. I mean, there there was no no controversy related to to VAR, by by far and large. Yeah. Um, so so I think uh, to summarize, yeah, I think it's it's a it's it's an interpretation and implementation in those local leagues. Um, and the directives that are being given to the referees, and uh, uh, and the small side of it all is also just a bit of education as to what what is VAR supposed to be addressing and not addressing, etc. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's it's really helpful to hear how it does differ around the world, and like you're saying, the MLS, the usage of it and the reaction to it might even be different to saying the Premier League where. I see. I'll, I'll throw it over to you because I know there was a uh, some controversy with your team uh, past past week, and I'll, I'll let you ask the question that's been been on your mind since we knew we were going to be chatting with Ismail. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted to just discuss some current events, and if if you'd like to, to to jump into it, and I don't know if you've been aware or saw some of the highlights of the Liverton Liverton Liverpool versus Everton match, and there were two big. Big decisions uh, in that in that game. First, there was a foul on Van Dyke, and the second one was this 
very controversial offside call. Did you have you seen these? Um, have you seen these plays? These highlights from that game? Is it the one where he gets injured? Yeah. So the first one with Van Dyke. Yeah. yeah the the goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah. I I probably see about upwards of a hundred clips every 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 week just between the education that we go through oh, okay. and, and, and my soccer fan uh, as a soccer fan as well. But yeah, so I'm, I'm familiar with that one. Yeah. So what, in your opinion, so actually Jones, uh, Max Jones had a good comment on, sometimes it feels as if there's an offsides, you know, players offsides. Sometimes it feels as if that play is, is in essence dead, uh, similar to in the NFL when, I don't know, a flag gets thrown, but the quarterback and the whole play can still continue. Um, similar to that, and it seemed like, well, Van Dyke was offsides. And so since he got hit by Pickford, there was no way he was going to get Pickford was going to get a foul or is going to be a red card or anything like that or a penalty kick. It, so it seems it seems from a fan perspective that there's some disconnect. Like, don't you think, in your opinion as a referee, that, you know, the goalkeeper should have gotten some sort of card, perhaps? Um, look. Football expects that the final outcome to be fair and to be correct, yeah? yeah? And I think if you look at that play with how the the, the, the challenge took place and, and the outcome of challenge, even though you, you usually can't judge outcome immediately unless you see a bone sticking out or, or you see it clearly sometimes, but uh, football expects fairness and, uh, and, 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 and the whole play to be reviewed and the outcome to, 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 be, to be the correct one. Um, I think if you ask those involved, then I'll, I'll always give them benefits of the do- doubt as, as my colleagues. But I think if you go back and ask them, do, do you think this should have been reviewed and, and uh, justice dealt to the, to the, to the goalkeeper uh, for the injury he caused? I think nobody can say no uh, as to why and which part of their protocols that have been instructed in the EPL, et cetera. I can't speak to that. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you in Major League Soccer, if that happened, that that would have been very very likely sent down for a review on the field review by by the referee, yeah, for serious foul play that endangered the safety of the opponent, yeah, and the referee will, the VAR will be will, will only send that, and in Major League Soccer we don't do second chances or say hey just take a look and let me what you think. No, the VAR will have to genuinely think that that's a red card offense, yeah. And he will send it to the referee as a clear error for missing it. And the referee will look at it and judge it as so. Personally, that's what I think probably would have happened uh, if that happened in Major League Soccer. Um, I can't speak as to in the EPL what the structures they're given, et cetera. But that's, that's, if you take that play and move it to Major League Soccer, that's how we would have been handled. Okay. Maybe you can finally get that play out of your head now, I see. <laughs> Shut the buck on that one. <laughs> we're, we're also curious about beyond... Uh, you know, making specific calls and VAR, which is which is obviously a hot topic these days. But as we were uh, searching around online and, and watching some of the other stuff you've done, you had a really interesting game analysis with some other referees and explaining certain concepts and thoughts on the art of refereeing almost. And we wanted to to get your thoughts on, you said there's an art to knowing when to walk away and when to hold your ground. What do you think in a good ref, what do you believe is the split between understanding people and understanding players and reading players versus actually understanding the game? Look, 
Um, thanks for that question. I think it's it, 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 uh, thanks for doing doing some of the research. I think you're referring to my session with the the, the uh, referees in Vancouver recently, maybe. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so a couple of concepts. Number one is safety of the players. That as a referee, that is our top priority. Applying the laws of the game and keeping match control to ensure safety of the players. So that's top of everything. Yeah. After that, there there is gonna have to come there's gonna have to come what we call football understanding or understanding the game, understanding that emotion is normal in the game, understanding that uh, players are humans and that they're gonna be emotional, they're gonna have emotional reactions and outbursts. The art is when does the genuine emotional outburst, which is usually immediate and brief, when does that end? And when does deliberate, disrespectful, avoidable dissent start? And as a referee, you have to to find that line, yeah. And don't be quick to the gun when a when you call a PK or a red card, right? And the player immediately reacts. That's usually just a human reaction that's normal. And generally, ninety nine percent of the time, it's going to be something that, as a referee, I should be able to absorb and live with, yeah. Unless, unless, you know, it's outrageous in terms of what it is. But like I said, normally it's genuine you live with. Um, but if the player has a chance to think about it, had a chance to walk away and come back, for example, had a chance to get a response from the referee but continue, had a chance to be told by his colleagues to, hey, let it go or whatever, but continues, then you get into, okay, well, this is now bringing the game uh, into an area of complete disrespect and chaos, and we don't want that. So as a referee, that's really what I'm always looking for, is, is, is affording the players that benefit of the doubt, affording the player that emotional space that's part of the game, but also at the same time knowing that it's an event that I have to manage where some respect has to be shared mutually, and that the fans can come and watch the game. The, the, the fans, if you ask them, they don't want to watch complaining and, and, and mass confrontations. They want to watch the ball going. Mm-hmm. So it's my responsibility as well to keep that entertainment factor going because that's what they pay for to walk into the stadium and that's what you pay for to watch on TV, etc. So our product, right, be it FIFA or Major League Soccer, our product is a fun, entertaining game with a lot of back and forth and, and, and goals. Not players bickering at each other or the referee and stoppages of three, four, five, six minutes. So that's the double edge ends of the sword is, is, is finding that. So, and that's what I call our refereeing is, 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 is maintaining that balance. It's well said. Yeah. Yeah. We really did enjoy watching uh, the game analysis video uh, with you and the other refs in Vancouver. And another takeaway we had from it, there was a, a moment where you were, showing a clip from a game that you had refed and it got a little heated after uh, the team that was the underdog scored a goal. And right after that, that resume of play, uh, a kind of nasty tackle had happened and you had given a yellow card and you had quote said, I didn't make eye contact with the player because he was too hot to talk to kind of, he was too angry, too emotional at that, at that moment. And so as, as a referee who speaks three languages, English, French, and Arabic, is it, easier to earn respect from players when you speak their native language in in your experience or do you 
do you really just stick to whether it be English or, you know, whatever language of the, the nation that where you're repping? Um, I think language for sure helps. And um, I'm, I'm glad I live in Texas. So my Spanglish helps me when I go down <laughs> to Central America and, and referee those games. Uh, so yes, it, it definitely does help. And we, we put an effort into having our, what we call, you know, for example, our, our soccer Spanish. So you have these 15, 20 words that you can use, et cetera. Yeah, that helps. But really, honestly, is the body language. Players, um, like any humans, right, uh, respond to body language. You know, are you, are, you, are you confrontational? Is your body language open? Is your body language closed? Is it adversarial or, 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 or shows compassion? Your eye contact, your facial expressions, all of those things work. You're, you're, even the tone, the tone of your voice really goes a long way so for example in that play when when uh, al-hilal scored on uh Corin- corinthians um was it corinthians forgot the brazilian club at the time mm-hmm. uh, at the club world cup um that was a bit of a surprise so naturally they're gonna wanna they're gonna wanna you know make a statement right away and and there was it was it wasn't uh, a malicious uh, tackle but it was a reckless one that deserved a yellow card the yellow card had to come out right but at the same time, the player is too hot, like you said, for me to try to tell him anything. So at that time is what I call the emotional outburst. I got to let those initial three to five seconds pass before right. I can do something else. Uh, and that's and that's some of the things that we, we, we learn through experiences. Sometimes we learn the hard way, but we, we've learned them. And that's that's what makes of a, of a good referee is, 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 is learning those moments. Sounds like so much of it is psychological almost and understanding the psychology i feel like the refereeing courses and training and all that you do is best served by talking heavily about body language talking about psychology of players is that some of the training you went through absolutely look guys we we are really privileged and 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 uh and blessed and lucky here in in major league soccer through pro professional referee organization for the training that that we we get yeah First of all, as professional referees, we can dedicate ourselves to the game. We can dedicate ourselves to, in terms of the training and the time, to do the both the physical, mental, psychological, and technical training. And uh, through pro, we have had many, many hours, if not tens of hours, with sports uh, psychologists to help us with that part of it. There's a lot of stress to the game. Um, from the time you get the assignment to, to the... 24, 48 hours after the game, uh, especially if if you are honest and self-critical. And you have to know how to go through that cycle uh, 30 times a year and, and, st- and still still stay sane, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yes, we go through a lot of training for that. We go through a lot of training to, to understand, number one, ourselves as human beings, individuals, and we're different. Every referee is different. And also then understand the, the players, understand the makeup of the players, understand the nationalities, the regional sensitivities, the cultures, yeah, uh, understand the game and the moment, etc. Because if you, if you are to get robots to go and apply the laws of the game and call fouls, no fouls, trust me, the games are not going to be fun. They're not going to be safe and they're not going to be football that we know and love. So, so we we do our best to be as perfect and as prepared as we know the players pour their heart into preparation. Trust me, we prepare the same, if not more 
to be the uh, positive or neutral part of that uh, beautiful puzzle, which is our game. That's really interesting. Thanks for thanks for sharing. The, your your tangent there has me wondering um, naturally. You know, being exposed to so many different cultures, right, um, and so many different types of players. I'm curious um, if you're able to dip into your Rolodex of, of players you may have seen over the years. Um, <laughs> who who has been the hardest? If you if you feel bold enough to, to to put names down, who who have been some of the more difficult players to um, to officiate? And and you can take it from the perspective of you know they had an attitude, or conversely, they were so good and quick that you know, you had to protect them or, you know, I'm sure there's so many different angles, but would, would appreciate your thoughts there. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And um, the funny thing about these things is that um, the fans, they come to watch the players. They don't come to watch us. And we realize that. And we're humble enough to know that, look, if I can just not be noticed in this game, it's going to be great. But sometimes you can't afford afford to. So the, the most difficult ones are the ones that you cannot establish a connection or a relationship or a, or a communication path with. There are different ways to communicate. Some players work really well when you talk to them when the ball is dead. They're in a, a goal kick, for example. That's when, that's when they get their piece and that's when you get your piece. Some players only talk to you when something goes wrong and and they're genuine about it. And there are players that talk to you all game long <laughs> about everything, <laughs> about good decisions and bad decisions, and you're never good enough. Those are very difficult. Those players are very difficult because ultimately, ultimately they don't see you as a professional. They don't respect you as a human being. And they're, they're rare, but those are the ones that in, throughout my career that have given me the hardest time is this person does not even recognize or acknowledge or respect what I'm doing here. Um, and I cannot go anywhere from there. You, you can, that's the baseline. That is the baseline. And when you don't have the baseline, it gets very, very difficult. Luckily enough in MLS and in my career, those are probably counted in one hand. And I've done, I don't know, over 250 professional matches over about nine years or so. But, but if you're asking me, those are, those are the characteristics of the players that are very, very difficult is when you cannot get a, a baseline of respect to, to even get going. And I, I'm, I'm the first, and you can ask any player, uh, and most of my colleagues do the same as well. I'm the first to tell a player, look, man, I think I missed that one. I, I'm wrong. I think you're right. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I'm the first to say that. I probably say that maybe once or twice every game. And players appreciate that. Um, but at the same time, we expect the same thing from them is when they come back at halftime and they've given you a really hard time about a call and they go to the locker room and see it. Some of them come back and tell you, hey, man, you know, I think you're right. You got that right. But some will never say that and they will continue to treat you like you're the worst person that ruined their game. And those are the hard ones to deal with and the hard ones to manage. So I, I somehow managed to answer that question without giving you names. So <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to have to. I didn't have to follow up. You said it right there. You're playing. You're being diplomatic. I appreciate it. You're being a good ref on and off the field. The no, good. No the good news is, I think 
none of us three when we played college ball at a you know very small to medium level i don't i think we would have told you we were wrong just knowing our character <laughs> so i feel a little bit better coming out of this interview yeah and like i said it's um uh, it's 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 been good the the vast majority if not you know cl- close to, to 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 all are 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 not that but you know, every now since you asked the question, I had to give you the description of who are the difficult ones. <laughs> yeah, I think for the record, Jones had ten red cards in his career in college. So that's a lot. <laughs> I know he's he's a crazy guy on the field. <laughs> there, there's no proof. There's no proof of that. May, uh, maybe uh, an exaggeration, but. <laughs> <laughs> What is the biggest misconception in your mind that people have about referees? There are a couple, and we hear this a lot, that we have no accountability to um, the decisions that we make during the field, on the field, that we're not accountable, that, they don't, that we don't get consequences. That's a huge misconception. Um, just like how a player uh, will probably... I mean, <laughs> and I'll go on, on a little bit of, 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 of uh, not a tangent, but I'll dive into this a little bit. If, if, if a goalkeeper makes a mistake, usually it leads to a goal. But most likely you're not going to see him be subbed out during that game. You're not going to see him subbed out the next game. Now, if that goalkeeper makes that same mistake two or three times in the span of, let's say, 10 games, then you might see something. It's exactly the same for refereeing. If, if a referee makes a mistake, right, um, they get assessed, they get reviewed, they get a mark. That mark goes into a to, to an average score for the season, and they are at risk of losing their livelihood. In, in the case of Major League Soccer and Pro, um, we can be completely terminated from our role. If our score is is uh, is uh, meets certain criteria and thresholds, yeah. So that's the huge, the, the biggest, um, you know, consequence. Just like like a player uh, might might have, right? But but that's that's not what scares us the most. What scares us the most is that we really love the game and we don't want to be wrong. We don't want to ruin it. And the agony that we go through those two, three, four, sometimes week after a mistake that cost a, a game changing decision. You can only experience it if you live with us in our homes and talk to our childrens and loved ones and, and, and wives or partners about how our life is miserable over that. And I don't think some players would even experience it like we do. We really are truly passionate about what we do and about being right and about not making mistakes. Um, and we do have the consequences from a, from a grade and, and, and an employment standpoint and also assignments, right? If you make mistakes, a, mis- a big mistake, you're probably not going to get an assignment immediately or you're not going to get a, a, a big assignment. You're not going to do the playoffs, for example, uh, and things like that. So we have a lot of consequences, both personal, emotional, psychological, uh, with our, within our relationships, but and also professional consequences. That's number one, that misconception. Um, number two is that we appease to the big stars when there is a game. I can't tell you how many times in a game a player would come to me and say, oh, that's because it's so-and-so. That's because it's Beckham or Zlatan or so-and-so. Um, it's a big misconception because at our level, 
we've gone through enough training and through enough games that when we step between those white lines there's 90 minutes there's 22 players and i can guarantee you that experienced officials which are the ones that i'm lucky enough to work with in major league soccer and when we go to fifa events they just see jersey colors and numbers yes we're human and yes we watch the media and yes we're soccer fans and yes we know that this game has uh, you know so and so and so and so playing but that all happens before but just like the players today when for example let's say Iguain came into the league if you put a homegrown player that just signed for his club to defend him when the whistle blows he's going to defend him like he defends anybody else he's not going to hold back or be shy or nothing we're exactly the same we we get into the persona of refereeing and we just perform and it's a misconception that in the heat of all of that, we are making a split-second decision while considering that it's a big name or that it's a superstar. It's a complete misconception. And, uh, and I hope that, that you know, podcasts like this gives us a voice to, to, to explain it. It's not, yeah, it's not superhuman like we jokingly alluded to in the beginning. Love that you were able to share those things because it's definitely things we've heard and potentially at times, shamefully, said and this podcast really is all about sharing different uh human perspectives of people in the world of soccer so love that you could speak to both of those things and all of our listeners can can think more about those and now see the see refereeing and referees hopefully in a slightly different light as they're they're tuning into their favorite team's games it's funny there's a running joke in my household my son is 15 and obviously throughout the years he's been with me to to many games and 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 he and he he used to hear it from me, and now his friends hear it from him, and they and they go, "Hey, you met so and so in this game," and his response, he's fifteen, right? And he was like, "No, no, he met me." He met me. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I got you know I got him to think that you know we're 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 all professionals and we're we are part of the game, and just like how they earned their stripes, we've earned our stripes to be there, and we're proud of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Need some of that confidence that your 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 son's rocking. If you you've still got a couple minutes for us, we got a quick game. We wanted to just pick your brain since you are a referee. Oh boy. We wanted to know <laughs> nothing too crazy, nothing too crazy. <laughs> really. game. If you're gonna ask me about the laws of the game, I suck at those. No, no, no. Not the laws of the game. We're not that cruel. Wow, we didn't even think about that. That's how nice we are. <laughs> we are curious about other sports. I don't know if you even have time since you're watching and experiencing so much soccer, but we're curious how you think you'd fare as a referee for a couple of other sports. And so we're going to throw some sports out there and oh. we'll, we'll give you a little rating scale, maybe one to five, five being most difficult. You think it would be to referee that sport. Does that, does that sound all right? Does that sound good? It sounds all right. I, I, I'm probably going to disappoint my family because my, my dad, my grandpa played rugby at an international level. My brother played professional basketball my uncles played professional soccer. <laughs> uh, so so let's see how, how bad i'll do all right well well maybe we'll get to one of those but we'll start off with something that perhaps no one in your family has played which is ice hockey how do you think you'd you'd be as a ice hockey referee i think at the speed that it's played i'll i'll, I'll probably keep up but make horrible decisions <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't know anything about ice hockey, but I'll I'll, I'll be close to play. <laughs> Puck's just a little smaller than the uh, than the soccer ball. 
Oh, I have I have no clue how they see that thing. <laughs> All right, what about what about American football? Oh, Texas Longhorns, baby! I think there's definitely a couple of flags missed in the game last week uh, against Oklahoma. <laughs> we just laid that out. Um, I think I'll do okay because because uh, <laughs> because. Because the, I guess because we watch football and some of the contact, uh, I'll, I'll be able to call interference. How about that? Fair. <laughs> you, you're like sideline judge, specialty interference, specialty judge. Yeah, yeah. Just, just let me know when you need help with interference. Everything else, I'll probably miss. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about rugby? We'll come back to it. Oh, rugby! I love. I love rugby. Um, like I said, I, I grew up on a rugby field with my grandfather and my father. Uh, I think I think I'll do well. I've, I've seen my uh, I've seen my enough share of rugby games, and my dad referees also as a hobby. And I just have you guys noticed how different is the is the culture of rugby in terms of how players talk to referees? Have that ever have you ever yeah. paused to? to be amazed by that. Absolutely. I, I studied abroad in, in Edinburgh, Scotland way back in the day. And um, I remember I, I played with the university team, the the soccer team, the football team, so many different words here. And I would, when the ref did something, I would say, sir. And everyone would look at me and like, you're not a rugby player. What are you doing? And, and I, <laughs> and I had to acclimate and realize the rugby guys are these big, tough guys, but they're also so polite or they have to be so polite. It just, amazing how different it is it's just again like you said it's 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 the culture is is what does rugby expects what does football expect football does not expect that it's just not how it's played so um yeah i'll i think i'll do i'll do uh, out of all the ones you asked so far i think i'll i'll uh, i'll be okay with rugby <laughs> all right last one's a bit of a curveball how do you think you'd fare at refereeing water polo dude <laughs> i i knew you were gonna say that don't tell me you're a big water polo fan <laughs> My grandfather played water polo. Oh, I'll probably be, I'll probably be absolutely horrible at it because I have no idea what the rules are because it looks like <laughs> it's completely drowned people and it's not a foul. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so I think I think I'll suck at it as well. Fair enough. I, I mean, feel like, people yeah, think I suck of... at at soccer refereeing. <laughs> 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 no, it's a funny game. Uh, rugby, rugby will be my top choice. I'll stick to it. If anything, if we've discovered that you're a you're a very ambidextrous referee. You could you could uh, switch off different sports throughout the year just to keep it interesting. It seems like you have you've more knowledge than you give yourself credit for for these other sports as well. We try, we try. <laughs> Thank you guys for uh, for having me. It's been fun, and uh, I will uh, be listening uh, to your podcast. Seems to be a, a a good chat. Yeah. Thank you very much. It was fun. Absolutely. Cheers, guys. All right. Cheers. Thank good you luck tomorrow. Big thanks to Ishmael Elfath. Really appreciate him taking the time to talk with us and really share the experience of being a ref, what it takes, how much they care about the game. And we hope that all you FOFs who have listened have really changed your opinion on on referees and and even how you may treat them playing in any pickup games or, or games you may play uh, coming up. So thanks again. Ishmael, and all of you should keep an eye out for him in the MLS. See you next week. See you next week. Oh, boy. See you later.
Jones, I am Italian. Are you actually? Yeah. Quarter. Who's sad? Mom. Oh. Uh, what's your what's your dad then? German. Uh, what's your brother? A moron. <laughs> nice. <laughs>